Osiris. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, this is Melissa Carper. Um, I'm currently near Bastrop, Texas on a farm. And what I'm trying to do with my music, uh, gosh, I don't know. I'm just trying to make some beautiful albums, get my music out there in the world a little further. Well, my, my nickname is Daddy, so. Yeah, how did you get that nickname? <laughs> um. Well, I, from friends, uh, it's hard to remember just how it came about, but we were living in New Orleans. Gina tells a story that I couldn't find a job, and her and my girlfriend came home to the house one day, and I had been drinking a, a, a box of wine, and I was drunk, and I said, Daddy can't find a job. Yeah. <laughs> That sure sounds good to me. Uh, That's Melissa Carper, who is the first guest here on the Show on the Road podcast for 2023. Thank you for being back with us. And uh, I just came back from a little trip to New Orleans. And uh, it's amazing the people that you would see just busking on Royal Street. And Melissa used to be one of those folks. But now you can see her in your town, anywhere in the United States. I am going to be going to see her show here in L.A. on Friday. Uh, That is tomorrow, the 20th, in L.A. at the Hotel Cafe. And um, I think it's super important to support these artists that were street musicians and now are touring all around the world, trying to make their dream a little bigger, trying to make it real. And uh, if you can, go buy a ticket to wherever she's going. She's creating something that is... I think science fiction. It's harnessing the energy, the warmth of a saloon in 1948 and bringing it to you in the age of TikTok. Anyway, I'm so glad you're here. This is going to be a really fun season. And now, without further ado, Melissa Carper. 
song making memories i don't know why it's been going around recently i mean it's been out uh for a few years now right um, yeah that that was out a couple years ago yeah it's like it's like one of those little trading cards that like <laughs> kids used to pass around like pokemon or like magic the gathering i feel like great songs by like artists that people are just discovering late in the game or like you know this is something you're gonna need <laughs> nice and like I that like song it. has just sort of been like threading its way into like my life for some reason through different people through the radio i don't know what it is i put it actually on my radio show here in la um cool and uh it feels like you um are singing to us from a a point in the past that we want to bring back or a point in the future that we're not quite there yet. Does that make any mm. sense? <laughs> I, I'll have to think about that, but whatever, whatever it means, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> I like it. I'd like to keep... When did you start writing songs? How young? Um, the first song I wrote, I was probably 19 or 20, something like that. It wasn't much of a song. Um, I didn't really start writing what I would consider better songs until like my mid mid to later 20s. Sometimes though, starting later, like there's a lot of history and uh, relationships and all these things that have like stacked on top of each other, like sediment. You know, like sure. so you, have, you have a lot of great like fossils to mine as a song archaeologist. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like that I didn't have much to write about yet, you know, when I was in my early 20s. So it took it took till I was in my later 20s where I felt like I had a little something to say. And the new record is called uh, Ramblin' Soul. Yep. Now, there are the glories of being on the road which i think we all pined for in 2020 when we were shut inside <laughs> for so long then there's also the gas station bathrooms the late night drives to the motel six the horrifyingly bad sandwiches at the gig what do you think is your favorite thing about touring and then your very least favorite thing huh yes this is a good question the favorite thing about touring would have to be, you know, the actual shows themselves. When, when you're having an amazing show with a great audience that you've never been in front of before. Or, you know, like this last time I was out on the road, um, we had a really fun show in Asheville. And a lot of the people had been listening to my albums. They knew the words. They were singing along. So That's awesome. You know, when you have that connection with people out there, I, I think it it's really special and uh um i mean it's it's i think more exhausting than than people realize uh yeah. there's not there's really not much fun to be had because because you're uh, besides the show itself because you're um getting up kind of early uh to get to the next town and then you pretty much drive right up to the venue for your load in and sound check and you know, if you do get a day or day off or a day, a couple of days off, you're just kind of like 
trying to recover. So yeah, it's it's a little bit rough out there, for sure. But you know, it's definitely more glorious than than the reality. <laughs> Well, I feel like I need the uh, small excitements of like a random diner in like the middle of the desert sometimes, you know, like when you go to the same places in your neighborhood over and over again, you're like, how many times am I going to order this Vietnamese food? Like, like I've done this like over and over again, especially um, as a new dad, my daughter might wake up soon in this interview. So FYI. as a new dad, you are forced into relentless repetition and routine, which right. is very hard for me. Um, I think I like the idea that every day there's something a little weird and new that's happening out, out on the road. And when you're home, you're like, okay, I got to get up, make the bottle, change her diaper, give her <laughs> breakfast, put her back down for a nap, get another bottle, have lunch, have another bottle another diaper you know it's like yeah it's like oh my god like is this the rest of my life now (laughs) yeah no i hear you i have i have trouble with routine as well i i really like fresh new things all the time changing things up um i'm i'm excited i'll be going to the west coast in january and february for, for the first time i've never toured out there so That'll be super exciting to see new things and discover new amazing restaurants. And and, uh, I have friends living out there that I haven't seen in a long time. So, yeah, all that's going to be really fun. Yeah, I was actually almost going to wait to do this interview until you're at Hotel Cafe here in L.A. Um, Yeah. January 20th. That's happening. Um, Yeah, I can't remember for sure. That sounds right. Yeah, because I'm in, I'm in Yucca Valley the night before. Yeah. Uh, yes, I marked it in my calendar because I was like, yes, this is definitely happening. It's the one weekend I'm around in Oh, January. awesome. That's great. Seeing artists at an intimate place like Hotel Cafe, it's like the best way to really feel the music. Um, my band Dust Bowl Revival just played a show last night here um, in Venice Beach. And, and you know, we've played probably every venue in this town that isn't like the Hollywood bowl in some capacity, you know, we've played the will turn for 4,000 people. We've played some speakeasy for 10 people, you know? Um, And there's something about seeing people really close and like feeling their emotion as they're singing the songs with you. Like you said, that is what you live for as a musician, as a songwriter. Uh, And for me, again, the, opposite of that the most heartbreaking thing about going on the road sometimes is that people just don't know or care about the music sometimes they're like who are you i don't care yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes Uh, yeah i've definitely felt both and that that is hard when when people aren't really listening and don't care that's definitely a hard show (laughs) do you recall a show where people were particularly hostile to your music or your vibe Mm. Wow, not that I can remember right now. Maybe I blocked it out of my memory. <laughs> yeah, PTSD. <laughs> I 
But the uh, there's a song uh, you wrote called "I Do What I Wanna." Yeah, it's but, "I Do What I Wanna." But "wanna" is in capital letters, <laughs> letting us know exactly how important that is. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I wrote that with my friend Gina Galena, and we we were sending stuff back and forth to each other in emails, and she put on her email, I do what I want to in all caps. So when I saw that, I, I knew I had to keep that. <laughs> the only time a great country song came from an email signature on Gmail, you know, it's the modern age. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I think that song speaks to, I think, an interesting um, maybe problem or a feature of being a traveling troubadour like yourself. Like, it's almost like you need the romance to have you know room to breathe like you can't always be around the people you love you have to have like space you have to like be able to see other things see other people not necessarily sexually but i'm saying like <laughs> you got to be free to do what you want to do and also come back into the warm arms of the people you love and that's sometimes hard to take for people in relationships with us yeah yeah well with the i do what i wanna i feel like you know i, I don't i i hope it doesn't come across as a selfish thing because it really isn't it's kind of just about following your heart and, instead of being you know overly influenced by what other people want you to be doing I do feel like the uh, Ramblin' Soul album has a vibe of just like, you know, freedom, individuality, um, enjoying life. You know, it's it's got it's got sort of that that vibe to it. And that I, I happen to be writing a few songs that had that feeling to them. So I wanted to put them on the same album. And um, as far as like, you know, the way the recordings are turning out being warm and and s sounding like we're all just playing in the same room and and feeling like it has that old-fashioned sound to it. Um, that just kind of comes naturally, really, with my, my music. I listen to, a, I've been influenced by a lot of old music, and that's what I love to listen to myself, so I feel like that's kind of what I end up writing. And, and then um, all the musicians that have been on my albums, I feel like they've really studied the old music and they know how to make it sound you know authentic um and uh um the you know as well as the the studio i chose the bomb shelter in nashville and andrea tokik as the engineer he's really wonderful at, at capturing that analog uh he, he he records to analog tape and and uh, he's great at at getting those warm tones and those great tones When you uh, start to collect songs uh, for a record, um, do you feel like um, 
there's an artist or, or a few artists that you always kind of reach back to that you want to honor or you want to um, call in reference to. I mean, obviously, uh, I hear a lot of Patsy Cline on some of these tracks. Um, I grew up listening to that with my mom. That was like her, one of her go-tos in that, you know, the dusty cassettes at the bottom of her Toyota Camry. A lot of, nice. a lot of Patsy, you know. Yeah. And, you know, the, some of the more, you know, slow romantic but also like sadder songs i think call to mind patsy you know uh, it's funny how there would be four five six seven songs in a row and on those records she made that are just like you broke my heart i'm never gonna get over it i can't yeah. believe this is happening it's like every song is just like the world is ended i have nothing left and you're like, but you feel somehow like rejuvenated by her anguish <laughs> because you're like, yeah, I also yeah. feel that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, um, once again, I don't know how much is really intentional, but I, I did listen to a ton of Patsy Cline growing up. My parents were huge, huge fat Patsy Cline uh, fans. And um, we listened to a lot of Hank Williams as well. And yeah. which is, is a sort of same same thing like lots of sad love songs that you're um uh and and for some reason as a kid i i loved the sad love songs i loved them so much and i i i had actually fallen as deeply in love as you can with my friend when i was in third grade and i think it was after that i was really appreciating those sad love songs <laughs> yeah. um she she was one of my best friends. She was my best friend. And like I realized at that age, I was like, oh, I can't, I'll never be able to be with this person. And you know, this is uh uh never going to happen. So um I think, you know, in in, in a lot of ways at that point and for, for from then on, I was just obsessed with the sad love songs and and uh I do tend to write uh a lot of those myself. <laughs> That's my only regret. And I was me when we parted. And I never said sorry. That's my only regret. There's also something of a of a wink in some of these, like my only regret, right? It's like it's called my only regret. But like <laughs> the thing is like a laundry list of regrets you know i became a jealous wreck oh, i just couldn't forget you know i never said sorry i was mean when we parted uh, you know it's like all these things that went down as the relationship crumbled before you <laughs> you're like no no it's th that's my only regret <laughs> yeah that was the whole when when uh that was the whole premise of the song i was like i'm gonna say that's my only regret but then i'm gonna list 20 regrets <laughs> but yeah it, it that was I, yeah i like to throw in just like a little i don't know something that's i don't know if you'd call that humor or it's just somehow it makes the makes everything even just a little more sad if if you're you know if you're able to look at it with a bit of a sense of humor i think like john prine did that best for me like you know yes prine he's would... the master <laughs> sort of stick you in the in the gut with a knife as you were kind of laughing at some of the lines, you know? Yeah, yep. Because I think sure. we we want to be able to sort of laugh through our tears 
Otherwise, yeah. we'll just jump off a bridge. Like what? Exactly. Like what else can you, we do? Yeah, you got to be able to do that. Yeah. To me, I thought surely you would leave. That's my only regret. That I couldn't receive love yet. And I never believed it could last. Like when you're in love with someone in third grade, because I'm sure we all were in some ways, you know, like <laughs> I remember there was like a girl that just totally rocked my world from like first, second grade through high school. Like, like what, nice. <laughs> what was my plan with this girl? Like if she actually was like, yes, let's be together forever. <laughs> like what, what would you do? Like hold hands and walk through the park i don't even like it's yeah, like the, the idea of romance is like instilled in us as such small little creatures without any real no knowledge of what that entails <laughs> yeah i think you know i i know i wanted to hold her hand and and just you know be close to her spend a lot of time with her but yeah that that really what nothing went past that you know no no notions past that <laughs> where did you grow up uh, North Platte, Nebraska. So that's probably not a very large town. 25,000 back, back then. And I imagine it's about the same, maybe a little bigger. What did your folks do? Um, my dad worked for the national weather service. Um, there was a, a weather station there in North Platte and, uh, my mom was a bookkeeper and, uh, for, a an orthopedic surgeon. But your family also was involved in music, right? You kind of had like a family yeah. band growing up. That's right. Yeah. Um, we had a family country band, uh, two of my brothers and my mom and myself were in the band and we started playing like clubs like the American Legion and the Elks and Eagles. And we started playing those places when I was about 12. And then through high school, I remember playing, uh, playing gigs pretty much every Friday, Saturday night. Are you a bass player? Yes. That's my main instrument. Um, I play upright. So I went, I went to study upright bass, um, at Lincoln, Nebraska, for, uh, I majored in music performance and, and, I I went for about two and a half years and dropped out. Um, but yeah, I, I started upright bass actually in elementary school. We had a string program in North Platte, Nebraska, believe it or not. How about that? And, and I got to start on, on a half size bass in fourth grade for whatever reason, I really wanted to play the biggest instrument that I could. But you've been in in several bands uh, through the years, um, Buffalo Gals, Sad Daddy, Carper Family. Do you feel like you had to set out on your own, put your solo act out there to really sort of tell the stories you wanted to tell? Or was it just like a natural progression? Honestly, I I had no expectations with it at all. Um, it was just sort of a dream to record what I felt like were some of my best songs I'd written, um, which, which is what daddy's country gold is. It's like a, to me, it's like a compilation of, of what I felt like were some of my really good songs. And, it, and it was kind of a dream just to put those all on an album and get some great players behind it and do make it at a nice studio. Um, I, I had no plan with it. I wasn't like, okay, I'm going to record this album and then I'm going to start my solo career. That wasn't, a thought I was having. So, uh, when, uh, when the album turned out so good and 
I decided I should pay for some promotion. I'd never done that before. So um, I paid for radio and um, also PR. And then it got out into the world. And, and I guess seeing the reactions, getting the response I got from Daddy's Country Gold is what made me feel like, oh, I should keep doing this. I should, you know, make another album of my songs. So. And pots and cyber spots and no space to get away from the racket. She knows a place where no Appalachia, where the chicory blooms to a chickadee's tune, and she plucks the mint and buttercups. My old-fashioned gal is a real kind of I think a lot of folks, you know, in their 20s, 30s, um, haven't heard the music of like Patsy Cline and Hank Williams in a long time, or they hear it like used ironically in a video game with Echo on it or something. You know, it's like <laughs> stuff that it feels like these gems from a lost past. And I think hearing right. a, a song like It's Better If You Never Know on uh, Daddy's Country Gold, it's like Patsy's ghost in the room with us you know that that, that <laughs> piano and and the the heartache of you know trying to determine should i should this person know what i've done you know is it better for them yeah. to like be in the dark and we can go on loving each other um you know those type of those types of stories that patsy would tell so well that's what country music for me um is in its platonic ideal you know I think that a lot of that writing that goes into that mainstream country commercial type music is, is not coming from the heart at all. It's better if you never know Feelings that have begun to grow Just It changes your your mind around. I think when you've been cheated on, like, should maybe I not have known? Like, would that have made me happier? You know. Right. And then, like, in theory, if you were to cheat on someone, you're like, now I have to like turn it on myself. Should this person not know to spare them the pain? You know, or is it like their right to know? Like relationships are these like right contracts. They're like, do we do we I, break the contract? Is right. I feel I feel with that song too. Um, I'm keeping it really vague. You know what what it is that's happened, and I don't I don't think it's even necessarily that you've cheated on somebody. It could even be that you've entertained the notions. You know, 
just as little as that, but or that you you just feel like it's better if they don't know what you're feeling, you know, what you've been feeling. When you start to write a song like that, do you feel like you're thinking about a certain person from your past, thinking about a pain point that is always kind of like a fresh wound that you can draw from? <laughs> or are you sort of imagining something that could happen? Um, yeah, I feel like nowadays I, I'm able to draw from a lot of different ex past experiences or even imagine, you know, you know, something I haven't experienced. But uh, nowadays, too, like, uh, like, say, take, for instance, that song. It's better if you never know um, that the idea for the song itself just came from a conversation I was having with some people. And then somebody said that phrase, it's better if you never know. And uh -huh. and especially if you're living in Nashville and you're around a bunch of songwriters, everybody all the time is always thinking that could be a song. That could be a song. That's literally what happened. Somebody said that phrase and somebody else was like, well, that could be a song. And then and then I started writing the song the next day. There's nothing wrong. It's better if you never Are you writing on other instruments? Or are you actually writing with your upright bass? I, I usually write with no instrument. I'll, I'll just write um, in my head, and then I'll, you know I'll, I'll make up the. Usually the melodies sort of fall around once you once I have a lyric, a melody will fall around that lyric pretty easily, and then I'll just keep singing it, you know, in my head and out loud until until the song pretty much forms, and and then. I'll, I'll pretty much, I almost always have a complete song before I'll go back and f grab my guitar and find what the chords are. I've been really surprised. A lot of times I'll be really surprised when I sit down to find the chords to my song, what the chords are. Uh, and, a, and an example of that is... Uh, old-fashioned gal on Daddy's Country Gold. The chords, the chords in the uh, chorus are really kind of crazy. Where they change, it's really, you know, you might not notice when you're listening to it, but if somebody tries to learn that song, it's really strange where the chords change. And it's, I, I didn't, you know, I, it was the melody that dictated that, which is kind of cool. When you tour, do you have uh, like a four-piece band, five-piece band? Like, what's the, the instrumentation? Um, right now, when I'm touring, I'll tour usually with just a duo or a trio. Um, okay. And uh, that's kind of what what the gigs can afford that I'm getting yeah. at, at the moment. If I if it's a bigger festival and I can throw on a, another person or something, or if it's in Texas, if it's a local gig, then I can put together a bigger band because I'm not paying for travel expenses and stuff. But um, uh, the duo right now would usually be me on bass and then a guitar player. And then if I can have a trio, I'll have Rebecca on fiddle as well. And that's Rebecca Paddock of the Buffalo Gals. And she's my partner as well. You know, it's important to keep your friends close 
and your enemies closer. No, but like, you know, it's funny how in Nashville, especially a lot of friends of mine, it's like they end up marrying their bass player. They marry their drummer, <laughs> marry their, <laughs> their, their singing partner. Um, I always wonder, like, if you guys get into an argument before you get on stage, like, what happens? It'd be like, no, no, actually, we're just going to we have to just like pretend nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's you know, that doesn't really happen very often. Luckily, I can't remember it really happening. But um, I think just the hardest part really would be if you're always spending time together, like you're you're together at home and then you're together out on the road. Um, and you don't get that time apart that you need. Uh, but these days, I'd say that doesn't happen to us. We, we both get our time apart. Uh, I, a lot of times I'm going out now without Rebecca, and, and she also has uh, a lot more jobs. She's not always available um, to, to go out on the road. But yeah, we've done that before where we've just like spend our entire life around each other. And that's that's the most challenging thing do you have goats on your farm no and it's not my farm um we're renting a, a tiny house on a friend's farm and it's an organic veggie farm um they then the past they've had animals but right now it's from primarily organic veggie so this is this the place you you lived when you made ramblin soul yeah yeah still living out there we moved here in uh let's see the fall of 2020 and and um I made Ramblin' Soul in January. We recorded it January of this year. Do you actually harvest the vegetables yourself? Are you out there day by day? We did. Yeah. So when we first moved here, we did work trade to for rent. And we worked four days out of the week, like the mornings we worked four hours. And we would, you know, we do everything involved with the the veggies we would you know plant them and harvest them and weed and all that stuff um but uh we haven't done that work for a while we've just gotten too busy with music so uh i miss that work though it's really grounding it's really nice to be out in nature there's definitely a song on that new record that you know is is pretty emotional that ain't a day goes by uh track and and i know you know a couple years back you lost some of your family um, right in a row, mom and your yeah. dad, and, and then your brother had uh, his uh, mental illness challenges, and um, and then your dog, you know, yeah. it was just like a, a, a cascade of loss, um, right. and it took several years to process that, right? Yeah, actually, you know, it's been a while now since I, I've lost my parents, um, and uh, I wrote Ain't a Day Goes By right after my dog Betty died, and, and, uh, that song is, is I think from 2014 um, and and uh, I really had a hard time singing it without crying so I would rarely put it you know I taught it to one band Sad Daddy we played it a few times but um, yeah it was one of those songs that it was just always really hard to sing and but it, I felt like um, with the Ramblin' Soul album I felt like it was ready for its life yeah. I bet you know when I first wrote it and would sing it to myself i would just be you know completely bawling in, in tears just even through the first chorus and verse so yeah. i mean i think it was like one of those songs that was therapy for me
yeah, it's amazing how attached we get to these little pups. I mean, we have a yeah, adopted. they're like they're like your children. Here's here's Georgia Peach. She's right. She's right here with me. Oh, Georgia. <laughs> yeah, we have this uh, rescued pit bull mix that we got during um, last year, and um, at the time, you know, we didn't have. At the time, we didn't also have a baby, you know, and then the baby sort of came along and <laughs> uh, Sonny's like, wait, but I thought I was the baby. You know? Oh, yeah. And so now they kind of have these like kind of competing interests at this times, but they also like yeah. are obsessed with each other, you know? Oh, that's good. Because, they, yeah, you know, JJ's dropping her cheese and she's like, I know the dog loves <laughs> loves this cheese. And the dog's like, this is great for me. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> nice. But at yeah, the same I, point, I, like you could you could tell that like she's bummed that the attention is not given to her as much. You know primarily yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. I've wondered what that might feel like because I've only had dogs, but Rebe Rebecca might want to have a, a child someday. So I I've wondered how upset, you know, the dog's gonna get. I remember hearing about this, uh, <laughs> I think it was like a New Yorker article that I, at first I laughed at, and then I realized that I was probably one of these people that like men who have dogs before the child arrives, like end up going to therapy because they're like, I think I love the dog more than the child at first. Cause I don't like know the child yet. <laughs> Like this dog I, has been with me through some really hard times, and like right. this little baby, like he doesn't. This baby doesn't know me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd be one of those men that that needed that. <laughs> and then you have this like existential guilt, like shouldn't I like feel the same emotion for this creature <laughs> that is part of my DNA? <laughs> <laughs> but then, then the baby starts like actually talking and saying, you know, dad, dad, when you walk in, you're like, ah, game over. All right. Yeah, yeah. I imagine it doesn't take long. The 1980 Dodge van was my very first car. I drove around just everywhere. Had 300,000 hard miles on that motor. Been hauling my family around long as I remember. There's times where, you know, you're out there late at night, especially on some dark road, you know, and, you know, we've had some some dicey drives in Colorado and the snow, you know, uh, yeah. has there been a, a particularly harrowing drive that you remember? Hmm. You know, I, I know some of my friends that have that are out there touring a lot. I've had some pretty major car accidents that could could have easily and should have killed somebody in the car. Like, yeah, it could happen at any time. I'm always praying for, for protection. I believe, you know, in angels and all that. Which angel is your go-to for protection? <laughs> I mean, I just know I have my personal angels. I don't know what their names are, but... Okay. 
we've I've probably been saved already millions of times, <laughs> especially when my my dad was driving and falling asleep um, while he was driving. It, he tells this story. Uh, my my dad would tell the story that I was just a little kid and and I was in the back of the car sleeping, and it it was uh, late at night and he fell asleep at the wheel. I think everybody in the car was sleeping, <laughs> including my dad. And and then he like slams on the brakes and he and he, or actually he and then he tells everybody, the hand of God came down and stopped the car. <laughs> yeah, because he the was like I God. don't. He was like, I don't remember stopping the car even. <laughs> He's just like, the hand of God came down. <laughs> I don't know. All right, last question. Um, go into your your fantasy headspace. You're going to be putting together the Melissa Carper curated festival. <laughs> it can be anywhere in the world. You get the site free of charge. And you get to book the first five headliners, dead or alive. Who are they? Oh, my gosh. You had to say dead or alive. <laughs> I mean, I might have to pick all dead people here. Great. <laughs> all right. Um, Hank Williams, Jimmy Rogers, Lead Belly, um, Bessie Smith, Billy Holiday. Nobody who is around after 1958. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's the one stage. Now you have to book the five headliners who are currently living. Okay, thank you for that chance. Um, okay, currently living, uh, Sierra Farrell, Coulter Wall, Brennan Lee. Um, you know, I don't know much about the music that's currently happening. <laughs> Those are people who are currently happening. I know. <laughs> Um, let's see. Let's see who else. Who else? Uh, I'll put Nora Jones on one of the stages. Um, um, yeah, trying to let's see here. I got one more. I'm gonna put my band Sad Daddy on one of the stages. Right. I was, I was I hoping you're gonna say I Beyonce, wanna, but it's fine. I don't want to let them down. <laughs> Sad Daddy or Beyonce. I mean, it's like, right. you know. One or, one or the, it was a hard choice, but. Or Sad Daddy <laughs> featuring Beyonce, you know. <laughs> I'm really happy that people are starting to collect your music, like the finely polished gem stones that they are. <laughs> ah, thank you so much. All right. Thank keep you, up good work. Talk to you later. Yeah. Thanks so much. Right, See you soon. Bye-bye. Much too short 
you were much too tall and we were never right for each other after all from what i recall from what i recall we were never right for each other Your mama never liked me And I never liked your pa And we were never right for each other After all There she goes, Melissa Carper, everybody. I have been wearing out these last two records she made. Uh, Ramblin' Soul is the newest one, and uh, previous to that, Daddy's Country Soul. Uh, She's going to be touring the West Coast as we speak for the first time, so please go out and support her. Um, She'll be playing in Yucca Valley, out in Joshua Tree. Uh, That's tonight at Aubar, and then uh, tomorrow at Hotel Cafe in Hollywood. Uh, She'll be playing in San Francisco, and then in uh, Mariposa, Nevada City, Reno, Ashland, Oregon, Bend, Portland, Seattle, and more. MelissaCarper.com If you love this podcast, well, me too. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, Leave us a kind review on the podcast page and do me a huge favor and just share it with one of your buds. Just say, hey, I found a lot of cool new bands, new songwriters on here, and uh, I think you're going to dig this too. I discovered some really cool new cumbia music listening to the Alt Latino podcast from NPR. Uh, Really, really cool stuff. Uh, I'm doing uh, a concerted effort this year of listening to music not sung in English because, you know, the whole world doesn't sing in English and uh, the whole world has got some pretty great music to share if there are Spanish language artists especially that I should be listening to right now that you would like me to interview please send an email to the show on the road pod at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram show on the road podcast if you're curious what my band Dust Bowl Revival is up to, well, next week we are coming out of our hibernation to play in New England. Yes, sunny, tropical New England in January, the 24th of January at Boston City Winery. We're going to be going up to Maine, New Hampshire, Rhode Island. Really cool stuff, so please check it out, DustBowlRevival.com. As always, the show on the road is written, produced, and edited by yours truly, Zach Lupiton, and we are part of the BGS Podcast Network. Stay safe. Tell your friends about all the good music that you hear wherever you hear it, and we'll see you every other Thursday out on the trail. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, 
And my good friends Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.